And this bloke standing on his balcony is like, shit, this is the 10th English person who's been in here tonight. What do they want? I don't understand what they're saying. What do you want from my garden? I'm not selling you my tomatoes. This is the Travel Freedom Podcast. I'm Tomo. And I'm Megzi. And it's time to collect your ticket to world travel and a location-independent lifestyle. Every Thursday, we'll show you how we travel the planet in style, full-time, for as little as $200 per person per month. And every Monday, we interview digital entrepreneurs who reveal the methods to creating a location-independent online income. So subscribe on iTunes now and discover travel freedom for yourself with the Travel Freedom Podcast. This is Travel Thursdays, episode 023, our feature destination, Thessaloniki in Greece. In this episode, we speak to Dimitra from Visit Greece. We discuss Thessaloniki as a surprise Christmas destination. Christmas time is amazing in Thessaloniki. The Balkan influence here, it's bigger than in Athens. So we have all these street bands playing all these kind of Bregovic type song in the streets. Everybody's out there drinking. And having party. <laughs> also, we stuff our faces with the best value food in Greece. Your five dollar food savior. It's everywhere, and it's so affordable, and it's, it's almost always, always yeah, it's always delicious. Always good. And we talked to May from GreekWeddings.com about some of the stranger traditions and superstitions in Greece. Literally, we throw a baby on the bed. Well, hello, good evening. Or morning, or wherever you are. Good evening, our time. It is, and uh, we've got a wonderful surprise today. It's not a surprise for you, it's a surprise to us, because we're currently in a little sound den that we've created. We built a fortress, like you would if you were like seven and wanting to hide from your mum. Yeah, or if you're like 32 and wanting to get good sound recording in a building that's all hard, tiled walls. The palace is awesome, but it is. It's it's everything is tiled and it's all like tiled floors and tiled walls. And so it echoes like we're talking, like we're sitting on the toilet. Yeah. And we're not sitting on the toilet. We're not. And we do not want you to think when you listen to this show that we're sitting on the toilet. No. I know we do promote being like the most unprofessional professionals, but we're not going to go as far as doing it from the toilet. Yet. Yet. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I don't, I never want to say, yeah, never say never. Never say never. Okay, right. Well, anyway, so that's the news for this Thursday. Okay, so how are we talking about this week? So I've got distracted by fortress building. <laughs> okay, right. Yes, we're talking about getting free stuff. Yeah, so one of the best things about being, in particular in the travel niche, is the fact that we get a lot of free travel experiences. Yeah, I mean, normally we talk about getting free stuff on a Monday because that's like our hustling and our money making and that sort of stuff. But the reason we wanted to talk about it on a Thursday with the whole travel hacking thing is simply because if you can get free tours and free accommodation and things like this, then you are going to save a lot of money whilst you're traveling as well as get awesome experiences for free. Absolutely. Now, I know everyone listening out there will not necessarily be blogging about travel, but with a travel freedom lifestyle, if you do happen to travel a lot and you've got time to maybe set up a simple travel blog sort of on the side, it could really be your ticket to review a lot of experiences for free, being tours, hotels, anything really. Yeah. Boat um, rides, I transfers. Mean, we actually have websites that aren't in travel. So if you didn't know this about us already, we're we not haven't just, mentioned that. Actually. We've never actually mentioned this. We don't just blog about travel. We've also got a website about singing because we were both singers before. So we have a website about singing, which is completely separate. There you go. There's a little ba ba ba. Yeah, you didn't realize moment. this, did you? Yeah. So, you know, don't just necessarily put all your hopes on one blog. Why not start a few blogs? Yeah, if you're into a few different things, like branch out a little bit and. 
It's the spaghetti what? method. It's what we use all the time. Exactly. We throw everything against the wall and see, see what, what sticks. sticks. So, you know, it's worked for us. It's not necessarily the most efficient way of doing stuff, but we're not the most efficient people in the world. So. No, not at all. <laughs> in fact, we change our minds about stuff and get distracted by shiny things all day long. Oh, my God, yes. But the skills you do learn in one particular niche, like content marketing, email marketing, SEO, and social media promotion, pitching, pitching yeah. everything like that. It's all general sort of internet skills. It if you really want is across the board. Any successful blog. If you're going to be the one running it, either you've got to pay someone else to do this stuff or you've got to know how to do it because it's just essential if you want to be successful online. Yeah. And we are going to be talking more about content marketing and SEO in future episodes because they are really important. Some of you might not find that very interesting, but it's just really essential stuff. Yeah. So I was talking to my sister about this the other day because her and her family are actually traveling around the United States in a camper van. And I was mentioning how there was a few products that I was getting for free and that in order, in return for a review, I was getting this stuff and I was saying, you can do it too. Why couldn't you do it as well? And she's like, oh my God, it's such a good idea. But there are some fundamental things that you need to have in place before people start just giving you free shit because you not just going to have people handing you out stuff if you can't give them something back in return. So, readership. Yeah, how much audience have you actually got? Yeah, so we're not saying that you need tens of thousands of followers on social media. We're saying probably start with an email list of at least a couple of hundred really keen subscribers and maybe what well, we'd say like five to 10,000 unique visitors on your blog. I think really anything over about 5,000 unique visitors and you can start pitching people. Now, you're probably going to be at the stage with only 5,000 visitors a month where a lot of companies are going to go, nah, not so sure. But you've got to get your foot in the door somewhere. So even if you start offering out just to get a discount, on the tour rather than getting it for free. That's how we started. That's how we started because our first proper sort of tour thing that we got was we did a scuba diving experience in the Philippines and we got 25% off. Yep. So, I mean, when you're talking about a thing that's almost $1,000, getting 25% off was like 750 bucks for the two of us to learn to scuba dive over the course of like five days. Yeah. So, I mean, that's amazingly good It was something we totally wanted to do. Anyway, so to actually yeah. get a discount, we wrote them an article. They were really happy with it. We SEO'd the shit out of it. And it's actually now picking up to be a quite a popular that article. That article performs very well yeah. and has done for a year and a half now. Yeah, but we'll talk about SEO properly in another episode. That's yeah. a whole oh, other bucket of A whole of load shit. of boredom. That, yeah. yeah, we want to pay someone else to do SEO for us. It's really dumb. So you just got to look at, you know, what's your time worth? It's up to you to decide. If you think that $50 for writing an article is no way that's going to take you a couple of hours is really not good enough, then don't offer to only do a tour for a $50 discount. If you think that, cool, that's a good way to get your foot in the door and start it up, then hell, do it. Also, if you're wanting to build up content as well and you don't really care, you're like, all right, cool, at least I get some free tours along the way, that's entirely up to you. But we're just saying, remember not to sell yourself short and to not be throwing yourself all about because sometimes it gets to a point where doing an article that takes you a couple of hours to do to stay in a $15 dorm bed is not worth your time. No, we've actually stopped offering complete hotel reviews to anyone for like a 50 euro or under room just because it's just not worth your time it's not worth the time we'd rather pay for the room and have like two hours of our time spare to work on other projects yep. so yeah it's all down to you it's down to your own personal feeling about your business how it's going how far along you are and deciding what's going to work and obviously what we do say and this is really really important this is the most important thing don't just pitch for stuff because you're going to get it for free oh god please don't pitch for things you actually like they're relevant to your brand i've never sent out a pitch to something that i don't personally want to use or personally want to be involved in because whoring yourself around is just not worth it and then it comes and you're like oh i don't even like this what the hell am i going to write they're expecting something good so it doesn't turn out good for your personal blog and it doesn't turn out good for the client that you're writing for either because yep. you just you bash out a bunch of crap your heart isn't in yeah or your audience because your audience are going to tell oh, they don't care. you don't really like this and they're going to start thinking oh this person will just write anything 
to get a free whatever or yep. a free tour, even though they're not really that interested. So we've said it before, and we will say it we'll again. We'll say it Please again don't and again. sell out on your blogs. Stay true because it's credibility it's is everything. number one important yep. if you're trying to build a reputation. So yeah, that's why we don't approach five star hotels for free rooms. No, because that's silly. Yeah. Like that's not our. That's absolutely it's not our wrong. demographic. We don't even really like five star hotels. We've stayed in lots of five star hotels in the past, and it's not really our sort of travel. We prefer boutique hotels or really affordable places that just have friendly staff and a nice atmosphere. We don't need to live in luxury. We really don't find that important. I just think it's a waste of money. Yeah, there you go. Go out there and try and get some stuff for free. If you're not doing a travel blog, if you're doing something else, but you love travel, then also get into travel and blog about it a little bit and see what happens. Why not? In the first of our two mini interviews today, we catch up with Demetra from Visit Greece. What's the best thing about Thessaloniki? Why should a tourist go there? It's the vibe. I mean, you have to come to understand what I mean. It's the vibe. You know, we have an easygoing culture and people are so extrovert and open. There are so many things to explore. And as I said, all these influences, you know, during all these centuries of history are out there. Um, meaning of monuments, but at the same time, meaning of food. And people. Of, and people, exactly. And of state of mind. It's the vibe. You have to come to understand what I mean. Please do. Is there a particular reason why Thessaloniki has become known for their awesome bars and their stylish bars? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could say that Thessaloniki is like the capital, the, the place to be if you really want to go out and if you really want to enjoy good food. I mean, Greece as a whole has so many options in terms of, of going out. But Thessaloniki has that kind of tradition in a way. And First of all, Thessaloniki is a, has been, for most of its existence, a multicultural city, meaning that you have so many different cultures underneath the city, like we used to have a very big Ottoman community, a very big Jewish community, and a very big Greek Orthodox community. So this melting pot has affected the culture of the city and the people in all ways. On top of that, you have the biggest university in the Balkans, which means like the city is full of young people ah. coming from all over Greece to study. So this means like a Monday is like a Saturday and a Wednesday is like a Friday. I mean, there's no <laughs> distinction. Yeah, there's we no distinction. That. Yeah, we went out midweek and there was people everywhere. Uh, and you do have this... Beautiful sea, seaside, seafront, as you mentioned, recently renovated. And a lot of people would grab a beer, especially during the summer, and, you know, just go, go for, for a walk, have a stroll, and then uh, just drink their beer by the sea. At the same time, you have a lot of tavernas with amazing food and live music all, all over the city. The prices are very good. The value for money, for me, is one of the, the best I've seen. Better than Athens, then, you'd say. Yeah, I'd say better than Athens. And, you know, some some places have, like, every Tuesday, you could have a fixed menu a la carte for 10 euros per person, and that would be uh, an appetizer, a main course, dessert, and a glass of wine or a, a glass of beer, which is a very good price. Yeah. And the food is of amazing quality. No matter if it's winter or summer, for me, for example, Christmas time is amazing in Thessaloniki because we have the, the Balkan influence, let's say, here. It's, a, it's bigger than in Athens. So we have all these street bands playing all these kind of Bregovic type songs, you know, in the streets. So everybody's out there drinking and having a party. <laughs> 
We also noticed that we keep getting dessert for free. It's like it's a complimentary thing. Is this something that's quite uh, common of, of just Thessaloniki? Because we, we didn't really notice it anywhere else. Yeah, you have a point. You have a very good point. This is very typical for Thessaloniki. When I first moved to Athens, it struck me that they wouldn't offer <laughs> dessert for free. Yeah, because for me, it was like, you know, it goes without saying that you would offer offer the dessert. Yeah. And as you say, they just do it. Yeah, um, we would be absolutely full and then they would bring dessert as well. And we're like, oh, oh we forgot. <laughs> and it was always so good, like really delicious yeah. desserts. Okay, it's story corner time. I don't know where that came from. You can have to work on your accents like in between Thursday shows or something. Because I've done English twice. And that wasn't really English, that was just terrible. That, yeah, that was just bad. That is true. So this week's Story's Corner, we're talking about the legend of Tripod Tom. Oh, uh, yes. We alluded to this story back in episode two, actually. It's a while back, if you uh, remember. Yes, you might not. If not, go back and listen to episode two. It might it have been an early one, but it was a good one. It was a very silly episode. Yeah, so I earned the nickname Tripod whilst on a press trip in Greece. And I know what you're thinking, and of course that is true, but there's also a second reason why the name arose. Oh, really? That's the phrasing you're going to use? Ah, yeah, maybe. Naughty. Ah, perhaps. So, yeah, we'd hooked up with Visit Greece for a tour of northern Greece, and after a few hours of driving through the mountains, we arrived at this tiny village called uh, Kalaratis, or Kalaratis, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. I don't know, I was asleep when we arrived, so I don't know how to pronounce it. (laughs) That's your excuse. (laughs) Professionalism once again. But on arrival, picturesque is an absolute understatement for this place. The village is a window into history, shall we say. Super remote, the road comes to an end at the edge of the village, like you can't go any further, and the rest of the visit has to be completely on foot. Even actually many of the villages, they leave for the winter months because it's so remote, like you can't get shit there. Like the road's closed because of the snow, it's a really windy crazy road anyway, and so people just leave because it's easier. It's actually where Swarovski comes from. Oh, is really? it Swarovski or was it Vulgari? Vulgari. Some famous jewelry person. Yeah, they, they actually, village. it started in this yeah. really super tiny village. I didn't know. I didn't listen to that, but obviously I was asleep. I went, ding, 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 jewelry. <laughs> That'll wake a girl up. Yep. <laughs> yeah, anyway, we'd spent like way too long stuffing ourselves at lunch. We'd actually arrived really late and the sky was already turning purple and magenta. And it was that sunset time, that perfect time for photos. The church at the top of the village up this mountainside was just glowing oh, yeah, was yellow, great. which was amazing. So those last flickering rays of sun were just making it ideal. And if you can hear that noise in the background, that's Meg's pouring some more wine. Uh, <laughs> where's my wine? Okay. It's very dark in our little cave. Anyway, back to the story. Yeah. So I was quite literally jogging around the village to try and get photos before the light went because I didn't want to miss those beautiful colours. We did get some really awesome photos. So if you want to take a look at the show notes for this episode, they're at travelfreedompodcast.com. Take a look. They're really nice. But these little lanes all snaked around up and down the mountainside. It was a bit of a maze. It was a complete maze, but that's what made it a fascinating destination, really. Yeah, I mean, what really a really old place school village place. It was, yeah, it was very cool. Yeah, but it was already getting dark by the time we got back to the minibus. And we set off down the hill, and I, then I realized I'd left my tripod. And in unison, a whole bunch of bloggers in the bus went, <laughs> Yeah. I hate you. Everyone's already exhausted. And I was like, we're going to have to go back for that, because otherwise I won't be able to take photos for the next three days. And that's going to be really annoying, because I'm using this for lots of stuff, trying to look all professional with my tripod. So, yeah, the spot where I left it, I actually remembered really clearly. And, of course, it was about as far across the village as I'd actually ventured. So it was already going to be quite a long walk, and it was starting to get really dark. 
and this maze of a town this was not going to help doing this in the dark so um, I set off I was like right okay I'm going to have to sort of jog because everyone's already pissed off with me so actually I started running pretty fast <laughs> trying not to trip over and die because these rough cobblestones were pretty dodgy I have to say and it's all, all up and down and bouncy and uneven so. like let's throw in a step right here yeah. no reason yeah crazy times so I ended up down this dead end and I realised I'd actually stumbled into someone's back garden and it was late autumn and most of the villagers had already started to leave the village there was hardly anyone around it was a complete ghost town but of course I stumbled into the one property that was actually still inhabited not just inhabited but this dude was sitting on his balcony <laughs> having a glass of wine or whatever it is that's going on I'm like you are kidding me and he was actually he called out quite aggressively in Greek he probably thought I was a trespasser or a local and that I wasn't supposed to be there and I should know better I was like ah oh, holy shit so <laughs> the light coming from the house was sort of just illuminating my face he could see me pretty clearly and knowing the village was almost empty that's why he must have been like okay someone's come up here to rob the town whilst everyone's away for the winter this is pretty dodgy okay so then I started speaking English to him and he sort of realized I probably wasn't a terrorist or a vagabond that was about to rob everyone's house I was just an idiot tourist who had lost his bus which I, I'm sure they get that during the summer but they probably weren't expecting it in the winter and so I just walked into his garden by mistake and he was like okay I don't speak English he sort of tried to tell me in Greek and all I really wanted to do was just back out and go sorry I went into your garden by mistake and he didn't understand what I was saying so I was like crap this is embarrassing and then he was like oh no no english uh, why speak english i don't know if that's how you pronounce greek sounds, that's sound good greek? enough yeah that's italian just yeah, add opera italian. at the end and you're fine opera. i get i get bath and i i figured out like he's getting her from the bath Shit, i'm gonna be standing here for like 10 minutes while she dries up to chat to me like all i needed to do was leave <laughs> everyone's in the bus waiting for me this is freaking nuts slowly getting more and more yeah they're gonna be like we want to go for dinner and there's this polite British man just standing in a garden that he walked into by accident going, I better wait until she gets out of the bath, dries up, comes out to speak English to me. <laughs> it turns out the wife comes out and the husband's claim that wife speaks English was a little bit on the incorrect side. She spoke more English than him by a sum total of maybe three to five words from the English vocabulary. So me trying to say I left my tripod behind and I'm just trying to find it. It wasn't really going to carry any weight with her. Didn't go down. She was like, what? <laughs> so so here I am trying to explain why I'm in their garden and they're probably like, oh, something really bad must have happened or, or whatever. <laughs> so I sort of figured out, I'd left it near the river. So I thought like, oh, okay, river, river. Uh, do you understand river? She's like, oh, river, river is like that way. So she never probably knew why I needed to get to the river or why I was so excited about the river at nine o'clock at night in a dark town with some random English tourist. But um, eventually she sort of pointed up and I was like, cool. All right, I'm the hell out of here. because this. I was talking to them for about 10 minutes. And I say talking, but it was just me saying words and them saying Greek words and no one understanding each other and me being too polite to just leave. An awkward, yeah. horrible game of charades yeah. did not go very well. Because it was dark, so they couldn't even really see what I was oh. charading. Pretty useless. How do you charade a tripod anyway? I, I just take my pants off. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they might get the wrong idea of uh, Yeah, I guess if game. I just stripped my pants off in their garden after they wrong were like game, trespassing. Tom, wrong game. Yeah, that, that might not have worked. They probably didn't realize we were playing that sort of game. <laughs> so like, what the fuck? This is ridiculous. Uh, eventually, I sort of, I got out of the garden. I was like, thanks, bye. Maybe they knew what was going on. Maybe they didn't. I could hear the sound of water. Okay, there is definitely a river that way. I'm just going to run down there. And eventually, I got to the other side of the river and there it was, tripod sitting on the wall, just where I'd left it completely distracted before like that's a good lesson for me don't leave your tripod around but anyway that's not the end of the story you had to get back I had to get back it was even darker by now it was like completely dark I was like well I got lost on the way here how am I even gonna find my way back so I thought well, I'll take a slightly different trick I'll head towards the church because I know that's sort of quite 
close to the road. And I walked up and eventually ended up in what I can only describe as the town square. I could hear the chinking of glasses behind a couple of closed shutters. Maybe that was like a private restaurant. Maybe that was some locals just having dinner. I don't know. There was like a small shop that was closed. Yeah, I mean, town square is a massive exaggeration. It's not really a town square. But then this guy appeared from a side street. I was like, holy shit, this is the dude who was on the bus with us. He's like the local tourist officer guy who'd come all the way from where we were staying, all the way up into the mountains at the front of the bus. He didn't speak in English either. He'd like, they'd been translating for him all day as he'd been explaining about the local area whilst we were on this trip. Well, everyone thought you'd run off without a torch. Yeah. So he went off to give you a torch. But I'm like, this town is a maze. I could be anywhere. What are you doing walking around looking for me? Because we're never going to find each other. No. And then somehow, by accident, I just walked into this thing. One of those cases of like, he goes to find you and then you come back and now it's like, fuck, now I've got to go find the bus yeah, driver. Yeah, we lost the bus driver, dude. The guide, he's gone. Oh Everyone's gone. Then you send five more bloggers out and they're gone. <laughs> and then there's just like, bloggers die in mountain tragedy sort of so newspaper stories. we all got stories. lost down dead ends and in people's random gardens. Completely fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Everyone's like, yeah, and I went down this garden and there turned out to be this guy. And this bloke standing on his balcony is like, shit, this is the 10th English person who's been in here tonight. What do they want? I don't understand what they're saying. What do you want from my garden? I'm not selling you my tomatoes. But tell us, Tom, did you make it back to the bus? Well, yeah, because I found the dude. And, oh, and I was cute. like, dude, I've got the tripod. And he was like, cool, it's this way to the bus in Greek. I'm hungry. Yeah, I'm hungry. Like, why the fuck is it taking you the best part of 30 minutes to walk across the town and find a tripod? Uh, yeah, because I got completely lost and it all went very wrong. So that's so, how you ended up being called Tripod Tom. Yeah, that is the mystery of the tripod, which had been retrieved by me. Yes. It, it was nothing. And they called you that. Like, people still call you that now. Yeah. <laughs> this is the moral of the story. If you lose something, expect to get nicknamed. So make sure it's something worthwhile losing. But yeah, this is the sort of crazy shit that can happen on a press trip that, you know, because you've got a bunch of bloggers together and it's just shenanigans start to finish, you know, and it's, it's really pretty good fun. So this is another benefit of blogging, really, and getting out and doing this and meeting these people. Oh, press trips are such a great way to network with other bloggers that you possibly wouldn't have had the opportunity to meet previously. Yeah. And you create weird names and lose stuff. <laughs> Yes. But yeah, if you are planning on running around some cobbled streets in a mountain village in the middle of the night, you might want to be insured in case you happen to fall over and crack your skull, which I, I was would. quite lucky not to. Mm -hmm. But we use World Nomads, that main insurance, because yeah, they're just awesome. Yep, we like it. Yeah, so travelfreedompodcast.com slash worldnomads. If you use that link and our discount code, you're going to get 5% off. The discount code is WN5DP. Get 5% off your next insurance policy and you won't have to worry about running around mountain towns at night. Ta-da! It'll be fun. And if some crazy Greek guy decides to come out of that house and beat you up because he thinks you're ogling his wife who just oh, got out of the bath. Then you definitely need insurance yeah, for that. Yeah, you definitely need insurance. And now, in the second of our mini interviews about Thessaloniki and Greece, we speak to May from GreekWeddings.com. Could you explain the difference between a souvlaki and a gyros? Oh, actually, the difference is quite clear for me that I'm from Thessaloniki and what I'm now telling to you, this is the truth. So you, you should never advise an Athenian for what I'm saying. This okay. is the true story behind, behind that. In Athens, there has been a great misunderstanding. They do not say, let's go out and have a gyros. They just say, let's go out and get a souvlaki. When they say souvlaki, they mean the gyros sandwich. But in Thessaloniki, when you say souvlaki, you mean this type of meat with a wooden stick. Well, that's yeah. good to know, because you could turn up to Thessaloniki, order souvlaki, expecting to get the whole wrap, and you'd be quite disappointed. So you will ask a souvlaki, and you will only get one piece of meat around the stick. <laughs> yeah. But if you ask the same thing in Athens, you will get a huge sandwich. These kind of um, restaurants in Thessaloniki are named as giradiko, and the word comes from gyros, but in Athens we call them souvladziviko because it comes from the word souvlaki. Visiting Athens, we stop by to get a, a lunch 
we visited this uh, Giradico, we asked for a gyros, and uh, what was served that to us was a, a pita bread without meat. Just the bread, wow. <laughs> Just the bread. <laughs> You're pretty upset. <laughs> yeah, so you can really get hungry unless you know exactly what words you should use. We like to find out about strange facts in every country we visit, and we're aware there is a strange fact about um, Greeks leaving their brooms upside down in their houses. Maybe you can elaborate on that for us. All right. This was an old uh, tradition that um, modern people are not longer doing that, as far as I am aware. If you were having an, let's say, not that pleasant guest at your house and you were fed up with him, so you wanted him to leave from your house, you were just placing the broom upside down on the back of the door so he would understand that he is a bit unpleasant and it's about time that he leaves. Oh, you're giving him the hint. If someone did that to you while you were at a dinner party, would you instantly get up and leave because that... Like you're like, all right, I've overstayed my welcome, it's time to leave, or? Uh, I, we're using that as a joke nowadays. So <laughs> if someone is uh, overdoing that with jokes or he's um, uh, kind of annoying, even if it's a friend, you just uh, threaten him that, uh, stop that, otherwise I will put the drum upside uh, down on the front door. So this means that you will have to leave. <laughs> it's a polite way of chucking people out. Yeah, get out now. <laughs> We'd like to know if there's any unusual Greek wedding traditions. Actually, there are a lot. Since I'm from northern Greece, I will give you some hints of what we're doing in my hometown in Nausa. Three or four days before the wedding, the mother of the bride invites her good friends, only female, at her house in order to show all her personal things that actually are embroideries and things that she... It's handicrafts, mainly. And then... Uh, they visit the new house of the couple. Four single ladies should tidy and untidy three times the bed. Women sink. They throw coins and um, money and candies on the bed so that the couple uh, have a nice, uh, blooming uh, married life. And at the end, when um, the bed is uh, completely tidy, we throw a baby. <laughs> Uh, throw the baby onto the we bed? Throw, literally, we throw a baby on the bed. So where do they get the baby from? Actually, it's, uh, it's a, a relative uh, that is having a baby. or So you always have to invite someone who is having a baby uh, at, this, um, uh, at this event. <laughs> so the more people will come with the babies, the more babies you will throw <laughs> on the bed. So if it would be a baby boy, this means that the couple will have a boy. Uh, as a first child. Uh, so it's really funny because people really think that this is happening. So you can find a uh, bride screaming that, please throw the girl, don't throw the, the boy, because uh, she wants a girl first uh, and then a boy. So it's really funny. And this tradition, of course, is still very alive today by the sounds of it. Yeah, it is. In my hometown, it is. Yeah. And now, affordable food, fun and culture. First up, we explore Thessaloniki's most famous iconic landmark. So we are inside the White Tower and we're actually walking around what is an endless spiral staircase that goes all the way to the top. Everything is apparently in Greek, but they give you a free audio guide, which is in English. 
personalities that played an important role in the course of the city's history. An excerpt by the ancient geographer Strabo. I love this. This is um, this is American Stephen Hawkins takes you around Thessaloniki. The rich land of central Macedonia favored human settlement, which dates back to the 6th millennium BC. We are right on top of the White Tower up on the 6th floor. And of course you get a, a 360 degree panorama as you walk around. You get to look out on the harbour, over to the port, and to all the awesome bars that we'll be heading to later, <laughs> all the way along the waterfront. Yeah, it's also really interesting to just see Thessaloniki throughout its history. The pictures that they had of this main street of Thessaloniki throughout the ages was really fascinating to see from, from then till now. Yeah, you can see the development over the last 120 years or so. And they used to have trams running along it, old school trams. Yeah, there's pictures the of tanks rolling down the street back in World War II when Germany was occupying this area. Yeah, this one street that we're looking at right now from the top of the White Tower has seen a lot of history. And fortunately, a lot of it's been documented and you can come and see it here at the exhibition inside the White Tower for less than $5. It's there all right. You go. Now let's go get a kebab. Okay. Yeah, if you're traveling around Greece, the Euros is really your, your $5 food savior. It's everywhere and it's so affordable. And it's, it's almost always, always, yeah, it's always delicious. Oh, it's good. Every restaurant does it slightly differently. So really, I wouldn't recommend one place. You just gotta see which one looks good to you. See which one's busy, which one's got lots of locals eating in it. That's always the best advice. A Euros, if you haven't had one before, it's very similar to a, a kebab. So it's um, the meat off those big spinny elephant leg type meat things that you see in, uh, in kebab shops with many parts of Greece. There's little restaurants everywhere. You can just sit down as well, which is great. So it's not like a regular takeaway where you, you just stand at a counter and then you have to leave. They've normally got tables at all of these little kebab shops. And of course, the best thing is that they're really pretty good value. And you can find a, a gyros for between two and four euros. So I've gone for the classic pork. Yeah, they've got parsley in here. Obviously quite a few french fries. Lots of pork, a bit of sauce and onions. It's probably a tzatziki sauce, I think. But yeah, mine's an absolute classic. This is the original pork gyros. I've gone for a halloumi and portobello mushroom. For the vegetarians out there, it's not all meat, meat, meat. Naturally, it comes with some french fries in it. But apparently, Thessaloniki food is known to still have a lot of Eastern influence. So there's, you're gonna find a lot more spices used in the food here than what they might use down south. It's tasty, but I'm yet to find the halloumi. Well, I've definitely found the pork in mine. That's what she said. Yeah, I mean, for less than four euros, it's not just some tiny little wrap. This is, this is massive. So this is gonna keep you full up all day. It is a meal, not a snack. Okay, it's almost the end of the show, so you know what time it is. Travel homework time! Oh yeah. So today, your travel homework is go out there and pitch a company for something for free or a discounted tour. Just give it a go. Yeah, just give it a go. Like, I know when we first started pitching people, we were absolutely shitting ourselves. Yep. Because we thought like all this cold emailing people or tweeting them a couple of times and then going, give me free stuff, made us look a bit like assholes. Yeah. But we've actually realized that it's not like that at all. If you give them a nice pitch and you're pretty friendly and you know, you're offering something back in return, a lot of people are actually really happy to get that pitch. They want promotion just as much as you want free stuff. Yeah. It works as a two-way street. It, you can't just think of it as you getting free stuff. It is an, a transaction of two different things. They get promotion, you're giving them advertising, yeah, and you've got to remember also, say if you pitch someone for a tour and that tour normally costs $100, 
well, actually, if they're just slipping you on the bus, you're not taking up someone else's space, you're just an extra. They're not losing $100 from another customer. No. And the real cost of the tour is probably only like $40 to $50, and the rest is sort of profit and advertising money and whatever. So really, you're only asking for like 50 bucks. And when you put it like that, that's not a lot of money, is it? So no. seriously, to go, I'm going to spend two to three hours of my time editing photos and writing about whatever it is that you've given me, that's a pretty fair transaction. And like Tom said earlier, schmoozing them a little bit on Twitter or Facebook, like resharing their articles or commenting on their different things, just sort of getting in there. Oh, I know this person. And then if you email them and they're like, oh, I remember you, you shared our stuff. That's really cool. But create a bit of a relationship first, then you're definitely going to have a better chance at getting that pitch accepted. Yeah, that is going to help. And obviously, if you're a traveler and you're not doing a travel blog, what sort of blog are you doing? And how does that connect with stuff in particular? Like if you're doing a wine blog, then get a wine tour. When you go to another country traveling, like go, fuck, I'll, I'll have a wine tour. Please. Absolutely. Why not? Because like, okay, you might not be able to apply for some sort of street walking tour because that's not going to apply to your wine blog, but a wine tour, perfect, right? I yeah. Mean, it's awesome. Or if you blog about politics or something, what about a politically, you know, in a politically important city that you visit? So, like, if you happen to be in Washington, yeah. why not try and get a history walking tour through Washington so you can learn about the political history of that particular place? Yeah. Just, try, you know, think outside the box. That's yeah. what we're trying to do every day is we're trying to come up with new ways to approach companies that aren't being approached by everyone else. That's the thing. If, if companies are being approached by hundreds of bloggers every day because they're a really obvious choice, then it's going to be really hard to actually get in there and cut through the noise. Whereas if you're approaching a company that is not the main company... So when you search on Google, the top hit is not the person to pitch no. normally because they're already getting a lot of promotion. They're already getting people coming direct from Google. You want to get those people who are on page two yeah. or perhaps a little bit down. But you know what? We've found some fantastic products through doing those searches. Mm. Just because they're not there yet doesn't mean they're not going to be there in the next couple of years and you're going to help them get there. Yeah, and they're the ones who want to be there and they're the ones who need that promotion because they're not already at the top. So yeah, have a think about it. Who can you pitch? And just pitch them. Don't go, oh, maybe I should pitch them, maybe I should. Just fucking do it. Send the email. Thanks for listening to the Travel Freedom Podcast. Show notes and resources for this episode are waiting for you at TravelFreedomPodcast.com. So join us again for Money Mondays to learn how to supercharge your online income. Or for Travel Thursdays, where we'll help you travel like a prince on a pauper's budget. We are waiting for your comments and feedback. So tweet us at MyTravelFreedom. Or email info at TravelFreedomPodcast.com. I'm Tomo. And I'm Megzy. Catch us again on Mondays and Thursdays on the Travel Freedom Podcast. Bye for now. Bye.